0: This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, and I'm joined here today with the co-CEO of a very well-known outerwear brand called Moose Knuckles, Noah Stern. Welcome to the uh, program, Noah.
1: Thank you for having me, Craig.
0: So let's get right into it. Tell me a bit about the Moose Knuckles brand and uh, what's been happening recently with its growth.
1: Uh well you know we've been going through an exciting time we're a young brand uh we've been on the map for about 11 12 years now and we started really from nothing uh, here in Canada i remember our first year was about uh we sold about 300 coats uh and our top line was in the six in the early six digits uh and and we've just been growing uh insanely uh quick uh, uh since then we averaged about going into covid we were we were growing on an annual compound rate of just over about seventy five percent for the three years leading to covid and uh, very pleased to say that you know what an incredible team we have they managed to kind of stick handle love to use canadian terms they they managed to stick handle their way through covid uh, and we managed to grow the business and and uh, we grew double digits in revenue uh, our profits grew we hired forty five people and And opened all kinds of stores. So it was difficult. It was a difficult period, but we managed to continue to be profitable and continue our growth and continue to uh, expand our footprint globally for the brand. So it was a a good result in a very difficult time.
0: Yeah. And in terms of product, we actually did a story a couple of years ago where Moose Knuckles jackets were, there was a scientific study showing that they're very warm.
1: (laughs) Yes. Very, very proud of that. In fact, We just, uh, we were just, uh, awarded a second time, uh, the University of Kansas State, uh, which is a preeminent university in measuring the warmth of apparel, um, rated us as the warmest parka amongst our competition. Uh, I believe it was in, it was in 2018. And again, last year they redid the study and again, we finished first amongst our competition. So it's a really proud moment. You know, when we started the business, we, we challenged our design team and our engineering teams to get together and figure out how do we make a sexy, tailored, fitting parka that is not like, doesn't look like a big sleeping bag, uh, but that still is the warmest. How do you make a slender, a beautiful fitting garment that still is the warmest? And and I put that challenge to them and they came through. And ever since we've been making uh very highly tailored uh, kind of European fit uh fashion, pieces that still have incredible warmth properties.
0: Yeah, and the brand has expanded into, I think, apparel and other um, categories as well.
1: Yeah, we're very lucky to, you know, we have we tried hard not to paint ourselves into simply an outerwear corner. Although we're known for outerwear, we really are, uh, you know, we go to market as a fashion luxury brand. So now today, uh, close to 40% of the units that we sell uh, are not outerwear. Wow. Uh, their wear their hoodies, their sweatpants, their shorts, their t-shirts, their baseball caps, um, and, and some other accessories, cold weather accessories and the like. So I think that really it's 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 our consumer, are they're buying into the story as much as they're buying into the product. They're buying into the story of Moose Knuckles to the kind of what the brand means, the logo, which is very identifiable um, and is highly sought after. So we're very lucky to have a lot of great touch points for our consumers to kind of buy it.
0: Oh, excellent. And even during the pandemic, Moose Knuckles opened some um, retail stores. So there were some permanent ones and some pop-ups, which look really, really cool as well.
1: Thank you. Um, that was, again, uh, a miraculous feat by our teams. Uh, I had very little to do with it. I'm proud to report. Uh, but really, some of that was planned and some of that was a reaction to COVID, where we knew you know, we've, we, we pride ourselves on our incredible roster of luxury retail customers around the world from Selfridges to Holt Renfrew right here at home to Sachs and uh, and many, many others uh, in China and Japan and Korea around the world. Um, and, but we knew that with, with the onset of COVID, uh, they were going to have to cut back their business with us. They would not face the same kind of demand. They were going to be facing closures and we had to figure out how to support them. Because of the kind of product we make, we have very long lead times. We had already made our product for the year, so we had to figure out how do we manage this inventory situation that we're going to be presented with and uh, the way we decided to manage that was to quickly in April last year find 17 uh, pop-up locations around the world uh, and uh, sign leases uh, get them staffed get them up and operating get the inventory into the stores and operate those stores um, so that we could you know continue to mitigate the inventory repercussions of COVID and continue our growth and get our logo on the streets uh and walking down the street. And so we opened 17 pop-ups. The ones in Europe didn't work so well because most mm-hmm. of those markets were closed for so long. The ones in America and China worked extremely well. And the ones in Canada, depending on the market, we had some markets that were open for longer. Uh, and those worked well. Wherever we were open, we had great success. Uh, so it was it ended up being a, a successful endeavor.
0: Excellent, and this that was sort of a direct to consumer movement. Uh, where do you see retail stores versus wholesale in terms of uh, distribution, kind of now and, and as things move forward?
1: Great question. I think that you know we're we're very highly focused on both. We've got we 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 have we have cultivated and curated such an incredible uh, list, as I mentioned, of of luxury retail customers around the world that just know how to service. The consumers so beautifully and so well uh, and we're very proud to be with them so we're actually investing a lot of money and time in ensuring that we have beautiful environments within those luxury department stores to sell moose knuckles apparel uh, and they're working with us we're putting up some incredible shopping shops in places like selfridges and gallery lafayette in paris and and many many others and Saks we have several in Holt Renfrew as well um, so we're really focused on that. We're also focused on delivering our more complete story. It's hard to deliver a full and complete story for a brand in a multi-brand environment, which is those luxury retailers. So having more conceptual, immersive stores of our own is a big strategy for us. And We're continuing to grow our DTC footprint, both in e-com and in brick and mortar around the world.
0: Excellent, excellent. Now, the brand has some really interesting press recently around sustainability and fur. Tell me a little bit about those
1: initiatives. You know, it's, um, sustainability is such, a, is such a, uh, a, a key word today in fashion. And I think that it's a bit of a trend. I think a lot of people are kind of morphing to sustainability. A lot of brands are morphing into being sustainable because they think they have to because that's where consumer preferences are taking them. And there's still other brands who are doing it because, uh, because of their conscience, because of the conscience of the shareholders, the owners, the executives, the team. Um, we are a fashion and luxury brand. Those are our primary messages. Our primary message will never be sustainability. Uh, our primary messages are fashion, luxury, uh, and function, really. But we can do all of those things sustainably. And it is in our hearts really in our hearts for the shareholders, myself very much included, uh, and all of our constituents, most of them are parents, uh, to do the right thing by Mother Earth. And we're really trying really hard. We've done a lot. We have a lot more left to do uh, to really call ourselves sustainable. We're working really hard at it. We've hired uh, Scott McDougall, who's a phenomenal guy. He's been with us just over a year. And his title is Vice President of Giving a Fuck. That's his actual title on his business card. We love it. <laughs> Because he does give a fuck, and we all do, about our employees, about diversity and inclusion, uh, and all the way down to the materials that we're using, the factors we're using, the labor that we're using. Everything is now under a microscope for us, and we're doing everything we can to replace less sustainable materials with more sustainable materials.
0: Excellent. And now fur as well. This is sort of something we're seeing with various retailers and brands as well. as they're they're sort of gravitating out of the, the fur, which I kind of feel guilty because I've got a couple of jackets with huge fur collars. <laughs> Don't feel guilty, including including a moose knuckles. Great, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. And I
1: hope it keeps you warm. It's very good. Um, we've we've certainly we've certainly sold a lot of fur trim. Um, we're proud of, of our manufacturing history and our current manufacturing. Um, fur is, a, is, is not something that we are abandoning, uh, as a result of any sustainable, uh, desire of ours or our consumers. Fur is, is, is in fact more sustainable than many of the replacements, especially faux fur, uh, currently, which a lot of brands, I think, are kind of conflating with sustainability. They're moving away from real fur and saying they're going to faux fur because it's more sustainable. And I don't think that that's really an accurate statement, to be honest, because it is a, uh, a a uh, a polyester fiber that's 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 made from fossil fuel. So so for us, we're moving away really from fur because of our consumer preferences and our customer preferences. And there, it's 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 something that kind of globally. And we were surprised when we we did some market studies and we found even in Asia, even in China, among our demographic, which is a very young demographic actually, there is a groundswell uh, of preferences moving away from real fur. We're seeing it with our retail customers. Many of them have declared that they're going for free from Holt Renfrew, which was built on the fur trade, to Saks Fifth Avenue, to Selfridges. And we've proven ourselves, some of them are already fur free like Selfridges and has been for, for several years. And we've proven ourselves to be able to grow very quickly and have non-fur trim products, which are actually retailing extremely well. And fur today is only about 25% of our total SKUs. So it's been declining naturally, and we just feel that uh, based on our consumer preferences, it is the right way to go for us starting it, uh, next
0: year. Oh, terrific. And uh, let's jump back into business in terms of the pandemic. You know, there were certainly challenges around there. Um, did Moose Knuckles you know, have any learnings from this? And and how were things around, say, supply chain and uh, logistics and whatnot and, and manufacturing? Because I know that some businesses have some challenges with that. You know, things were shut down got stuck in the Suez Canal. You know, there's been all kinds of crazy things happening.
1: I, I guess, I guess, you know, we've certainly learned a lot. I'll use the word stick handle again. Uh, you know, uh, there, there are many, there are many cliches about planning uh, and having to plan to plan. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, it's those businesses, I think that our learning has been, it's those businesses who have strong, resilient people behind them. Uh, teams who can kind of manage the adversity of supply chain issues. And there is a lot of it. There's no question about it. We're lucky to have a very robust team. We operate from several different, uh, facilities, distribution facilities in Europe and the UK and Canada, America, China, Korea. Um, and so not putting all of your eggs into, into one basket. We have factories in different markets from Canada to Vietnam to Peru to Portugal. And several other countries. So, um, that is kind of, I I think it's those companies that kind of put all of their eggs into one basket that really could have gotten caught up a lot, a lot, uh, a lot worse than we got caught up. We ended up shipping our fall 20 and spring uh, 21 seasons uh, on time and fully. So we've got, you know, again, credit to the teams. This season, there's, there's, there's way more pressure on supply chain from the perspective of getting the goods from our factories. Two of our DCs. It's the transport and logistics around that that's proving difficult. Uh, excess uh, demand to supply that we're navigating our way through. But but you navigate it through also with very strong partners on the logistics side, strong forwarders, strong freight forward companies, strong warehouses, and strong relationships. So we are managing through, and we should be on on time for for, for all of our deliveries this year. But we will we will suffer some additional air freight without question, as will most if every. If, ever, if not every company in our space.
0: Oh, terrific. And let's talk a little bit about yourself and how you got kind of started in the business. Uh, uh, where were you before Moose Knuckles and, and how did you get into uh, your current role there?
1: Great question. And I'm not going to take up all your time on the long answer. <laughs> but I grew, around, I grew up around the coke business, actually. Um, uh, my great-grandfather started in the coke business in 1921 in Winnipeg, where I'm from then my grandfather went into it and my uncle went into it and I always kind of worked around it from the time I was 8 years old I worked in the sh- in the shipping room making boxes um and uh getting paid for every box I made and then I worked my way up through the cutting room and into the a little bit of sewing I was never good at any of it but I learned it anyways and into the shipping area and then up into the offices um and and I always I always had a true love for it uh it's a dynamic business it's very exciting it's uh, it's a tough business. It's got you know kind of real peaks and real valleys. So um, if if you know if if that's the kind of energy you have as an individual, it, it, it really it really can can suit you very nicely. I did end up um, making sure that I had a backup plan. I did end up going to McGill Law School and ended up practicing mergers and acquisitions law in New York at a great Wall Street firm. And then my family called me uh, and said it was time for me to come in. So I went into that business in Winnipeg. Um, and ran it for for several years before leaving and starting my own thing. And then we came into Moose Knuckles, which was just an idea uh, of a fellow that we partnered with and ended up buying it from him uh, and turned it into a reality just with, with incredible, really incredible, talented people under us. And just having a blank canvas in front of us creatively and saying, guys, you are so good at what you do creatively. You were so good at creating the dream, at creating fantasy, at creating lore. Go on and do it. Go on and, and make beautiful products that sing and that follow a story—a Canadian story uh, of a reverence and function and luxury and performance—and it did. And uh, uh, and we have a very strong logo and very strong branding, and the consumer has just been the global consumer. Consumer has just been has just been. Uh, romanced by this and and they really love the story and want to be part of it. And we're we're happy to have.
0: Oh, terrific. Terrific. And um, I guess last big question here is tell me about what the future might hold for Moose Knuckles in terms of its global expansion, as well as its product development, say, into new categories. That's kind of two questions.
1: (laughs) It's a great question. I mean, as far as product expansion, there's, we we put, you know, when you view our our brand or or our product kind of as a collection, if you will, we infuse it once in a while with uh, a special accessory, a handbag. Um, we will be launching a sneaker, uh, in, in, in about it, in about six to nine months from now. It's in development. Um, but really, we really feel that between our outerwear and our current sports we're offering and our cold weather accessories that we have so much runway on our existing product that we don't feel an immediate need to expand our product focus. We want to stay focused and expert at the things that we do, and um, we've got really, really just so much runway on our existing design and product, and we're going to keep pushing boundaries on product development from a functional point of view, from a fashion point of view. That's really where our soft spot is coming I mean, is coming into the market with really exciting, new, functional, luxurious products in our own lane. As far as expansion goes, we're, we're very focused on uh, on Europe, and we're very focused on China. Uh, we have a very robust business in korea which continues to grow very quickly japan is a, is a spot of 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 uh of uh, focus for us as well um north america is is really chugging along we've got a very high level of awareness in north america and that is that is kind of blowing up especially in markets like new york and chicago uh we're seeing uh, real rapid expansion there um so europe and china is really where we're kind of focusing uh, our investments Right now, China is an incredible opportunity. As you probably know, it's upwards of 40% of luxury consumer goods which are purchased by Chinese, either because they're traveling or in their home market. Right now, obviously, in their home market because of COVID restrictions. So we're very focused on opening more stores in China. The stores we have opened and the pop-ups, we have opened been very successful, very profitable, and uh, it's super, super exciting. So it's really just about continuing what we do well and uh, exposing new markets to to those those products and to to the talents of our creators.
0: And it makes sense, I think, to have physical stores. I know some brands are saying they want to do more online, but people kind of want to touch and feel and I guess try on a moose knuckles jacket.
1: I agree a hundred percent. We we believe very strongly in both. And we believe that when you have stores it creates an aura for your e-comm and your e-comm creates an aura for your stores. So Having that immersive physical environment of stores is is critical for us. Uh, it's a big part of our strategy. It also allows us to immerse our consumer in the brand and do some really crazy and fun concepts, which we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Uh, and those are resonating with our customers. So it's it's they're both really really exciting venues. And and again, we're we're trying to infuse our own retail, uh, our own luxury retailers with some of the same experiences and shopping.
0: Yeah, and the design. I think it was the West Edmonton Mall when it almost looked like it had a jungle gym or something in the front that was gold. Or tell me a little bit about the design of these stores. They they look really visually interesting.
1: So we've got you know in in our permanent stores we 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 have hues of Canada. We have cross-cut wood tiles. Um, We have other natural elements like that. Um, We have leather uh, strapping. We have uh, some beautiful gold polish uh, finishes uh, and some stainless steel finishes as well. Um, so it's uh, they're beautiful, beautiful uh, permanent stores. Our pop-ups are the ones that you saw in Edmonton is where we actually come up with a concept and we come with a new concept every year. We'll be coming in with a new concept for this coming fall winter, which I'm not gonna disclose, but it's super, super exciting. Uh, and it integrates a lot of uh, audio visuals. Um, the ones you're talking about where uh, we wanted to evoke uh, the temporary nature of the store. So we had, when we always like to have a, a tension between luxury and uh, between the high and the low. So we opened these stores and to, and to evoke the temporary nature of these stores, we put up scaffolding. And all of our racking and fixturing was scaffolding. That was the low. The high was that they were all gold. So we took the scaffolding and we subverted it to be gold. Uh, and we did a lot of other fun things in the space uh, to evoke the temporary nature, but also the luxury nature of
0: Oh, terrific. And is there anything else you want to talk about with Moose Knuckles today?
1: I don't think so. I th- you know, we're just um, very pleased to, to, for, the, for uh, the opportunity to be with you today and tell you a little bit about the brand. Uh, very, very excited for our growth. There's a lot of exuberance and excitement amongst the team that's growing very, very quickly. Uh, just because uh, I like to think that it's a fun place to work. It's a fun brand. And anytime you're successful, uh you leave you leave your job feeling pretty good. Uh, so that's kind of what we're on a march to do. We're on a march to to build the Moose Knuckles uh, tribe, if you will, uh, and uh, and just have a lot of fun together.
0: Oh, excellent. I'm excited to follow the brand as well as to see this new uh, store concept that's coming about. So definitely we'll be uh, continuing to report on Moose Knuckles and retail insiders as the company continues to grow.
1: Love it. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. I'm Craig Patterson, editor and chief of Retail Insider, and I was joined here with Noah Stern, co-CEO of Moose Knuckles. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care and bye for now. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning, and it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page,
1: and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. Thank you everyone for listening.